place where your love is shared the same For the stories where the hero saves the girl somehow Where the no further friends, the adventure never ends We will save the world somehow In Sunspots Comics now Hello, Hot Comic Book fans! Welcome to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 215, where I strongly recommend, but only lightly review, my favorites of the new comic books that just came out on Wednesday, New Comic Book Day, November 27th. And this particular podcast is so much cuter than Baby Yoda. Okay, maybe not. I am your friendly neighborhood host, Chris Latore. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast. I seriously hope that you had a great Thanksgiving, a prosperous Black Friday, uh, and, and even a, a happy hunting on your Cyber Monday, because that's what today is. So good luck with all of that, and I hope you had a great Thanksgiving. So here at the Sunspots Comics Podcast, I read a whole bunch of brand new comics, and then I only recommend to you the greatest of them, so you can save time and save money. That's what it's really all about. There's so many new comic books out there to read every week, while I do some of the work for you and find the best of them. And please do us a tiny Ant-Man-sized favor and hit the subscribe button to the Sunspots Comics Podcast. And please follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Xbox Live, and YouTube, all at one single name in one place, at Sunspots Comics. That's right, that's how you find us. And I always love to start the show with some humble thank yous. Most importantly, thank you, of course, to you, the listener. Thank you so much for choosing the Sunspots Comics podcast. I know there's a lot of podcasts out there, so thank you for finding us and listening. Also, thank you to my friend Nick Papa George. He sings our theme song. It's amazing. I love it. Check out his solo singing stuff on Instagram at Nicholas.Dell and uh, Nick's band Solution at Solution underscore band. If you love Hawaiian-style feel-good reggae music, then you throw in a little bit of rock then you're going to love all the sounds of my buddy Nick Papa George and his band Solution. So please check them out, and thank you, Nick, for our fantastic theme song. Also, thank you to our sponsor, Cryptid Zoo. Cryptid Zoo actually hand-makes these awesome AR t-shirts. Yes, I mean, there, there aren't many AR t-shirts out there, and they're based on cryptozoology. Yes, the Loch Ness Monster and stuff. Plus, Cryptid Zoo t-shirts do something that no other shirt does. Not only just the AR stuff, but what you do is you take your smartphone and you take the HP Reveal app and you point your smartphone at a Cryptid Zoo t-shirt and then you just watch the t-shirt come to life. It'll just amaze your friends. Trust me, go to cryptidzoo.com to see what's happening there, what it's all about, and why these t-shirts are a little something special. And use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order. So buy the only t-shirt that will come to life before your very eyes at cryptidzoo.com. That's C-R-Y-P-T-I-D-Zoo.com. So now, let me make my famous superhero landing right into the Sunspots Comics Podcast issue 215, starting out with some stuff that's been floating up inside of my nerdy brain. So here are all the nuggets of nerdness beaming through the nerdy pathways of my brain currently, starting out with my review of Harley Quinn, season one, episode one, the brand new animated series, the very rated R animated series on the DCU, on the DC Universe app, which... If you don't have it, get it. 
It's so good, worth the money. So Poison Ivy basically uh, is trying to just she's going to great lengths to prove that Harlequin uh, is uh, that the Joker doesn't love the Harlequin. She of course has a very difficult time with this. Harlequin's obviously uh, just obliviously in love with her pudding. <laughs> but man, uh, this really surprised me. This was really refreshing. This is a new direction for the uh, DC animated unit and I love it. I think they need more of this. It is definitely in the vein of a uh, rated R Deadpool style of things. The opening sequence where there's all, all these uh, white gentlemen on a yacht and the uh, like the yacht captain there is like uh, let's all thank you and in, uh, I'm glad that all my favorite whites are here <laughs> and uh, let's go back to doing what we love most which is effing the poor. Yes. And there's just there's tons of f-bombs. It's very hard rated R. Uh, the violence is over the top and grotesque. I recently read too that the uh, that DC Comics told the Harley Quinn show to tone down the overbroness of the Aquaman character. They they I guess they kept in most stuff. Thankfully, good. But they just told them to turn down the bro meter a bit. <laughs> so, what does that tell you right there? They're they're definitely going into some areas where they're getting phone calls from uh, from DC and the the head honchos there, the execs going, hey guys, uh, let's just uh, let's reel it in a smidge. Uh, very bloody, very gory. There's tons of just quick witted gags and humor. Lots of quick cuts. So there, there's just things also that happen sort of, uh, it, they respond to things and sort of do that under their breath sort of moments. So, uh, you know, it's like you're laughing and then you're missing the under the, under the, the quiet, under the breath little, little tones of like where the Joker says, oh, that effing guy. <laughs> but uh, like I said, Deadpool kind of humor. To, to a couple of characters that just steal the show in Harlequin here for me is, uh, is Chris Maloney. He plays the seriously disturbed Commissioner Gordon. <laughs> I love it. He'll just go on these deep, dark rants, and Batman has to actually say, uh, hey, uh, Gordon, you know, whoa, whoa, just, just chill out, buddy. Relax. So <laughs> He's just like deep and dark and depressed and looks like a mess, and it's just over the top, and I love it. Chris Maloney, fantastic. Plays him so well. Uh, and Frank. Poison Ivy has this like very kooky houseplant that's played by J.B. Smoove. And it, it also looks like the houseplant or the big plant from Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, so I just love him. He's out there and wacky. And it, it, it's just, uh, it, there's one moment where Harlequin asks Frank, Hey, where's the kid that's supposed to be watering all the plants every week? I've been in prison for a year. And he just regurgitates this young boy that he ate in like this purple fluid. <laughs> there's the kid. And he's like, well, what about the parents? Oh, they'll be fine, too. And he just regurgitates the parents. So, yeah, it's this kooky little shop of horrors plant named Frank. Totally steals the show. And there are some amazing voice talents in there. Like like Alan um, or, or uh, Tudyk is one that comes right into mind. Uh, he plays the Joker. And a bunch of other characters. He plays like Two-Face. No, he plays Clayface and uh, a few others. And Calendar Man, which is great. There's a great little cameo from Cami uh, from Calendar Man in this. You're going to love it. I don't want to blow his just two scenes that he's in, but they're fantastic. And uh, and when Harley Quinn talks to Batman, this is probably my favorite moment. I really just absolutely laughed out loud. There's just this scene where there's Commissioner Gordon, Harley Quinn on a rooftop, and Batman's there. And <laughs> and Harley Quinn looks at Batman and says, "I'm pretty. If you want to ask the guy who f's bats." <laughs> and that's just oh my gosh, I lost it. And then there's another one where she's like, "I'm 
as sure as I am that he f's bats, like he keeps referencing, <laughs> Harley Quinn keeps referencing to Batman that uh, he f bats. He's yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> um, but man, I just I love it. You've got uh, um, you've got Kaylee Cuoco as as Harley Quinn. Uh, there's so many amazing voice tans- talents here. Phil Lamar's in it. Uh, Lake Bell plays Poison Ivy. Alan Tudyk uh, plays uh, Clay. He plays the Joker. Does a fantastic job as the Joker. I feel like he's been the Joker before. I don't think so, but he just nails it. Oh, playing Batman too, you'll recognize uh, his voice. The, the the guy that plays Batman. His name escapes me right now. But there's just so so many 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 amazing voice talents in this and like i said uh over the top very rated r not for the children at all so uh yeah yeah uh definitely watch it at night when the when the kids are asleep Diedrich batter that's who plays bruce wayne batman we've we've heard him before he does a great job he's just got that grizzly thing going on as batman so supreme cast it's 13 episodes for this uh season one that just premiered last friday and 13 episodes premiering every friday and uh i just i i absolutely recommend it uh five stars uh for, for right here for me at the sunspots comics podcast harlequin on the dc universe go see it and watch it and laugh and rewatch it they're 20 minute long episodes you can't beat it even the uh, animation style has gone a little away from the the formulaic style of the dc animated universe so it looks a little different of course, with the over-the-top violence and the F-bombs, it just takes it to a new place. So uh, I love it. It's a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to next Friday into watching it. So uh, definitely, definitely highly recommend to you that you watch on the DC Universe, Harlequin, the animated series. Yes, there's only one episode available right now. But man, go watch it. Have a laugh. Have a chuckle or five. And the next uh, nugget of nerd deeply lodged in my nerdy frontal lobe is uh, the CW show. CW's Crisis on Infinite Earth. Earths. So this is coming. This is very soon. It's a five-part CW crossover event that starts on December 8th on the CW. I'm super excited about this. I can't wait. You get Supergirl, Batwoman, The Flash, Arrow, Le- Legends of Tomorrow, Black Lightning, and then there's like these cameo appearances. You've got oh, the one I'm maybe most excited about about seeing is the appearance of Brandon Routh uh, playing Superman. He played uh, Supes in the 2006 uh, Superman Returns film. Uh, it just looks fantastic. He, the image of him wearing the Kingdom Come super suit, it just looks fantastic. Even uh, a couple of people from Smallville make a, a small appearance in it. I guess just a single scene. And I wonder if, uh, I can't help but wonder, like in the comic book, Barry Allen dies, the Flash dies, when uh, he stops the anti-monitor with this like anti-monitor, anti-matter gun thing that he stopped. I remember that, and he dies because the gun's just too powerful, basically. So I, I wonder if they're going to... Is this the end of The Flash? Probably not. It's a CW show, but I wonder if they tap... I wonder how much of the Crisis on Infinite Earths comic book they're going to kind of tap into. It's dense. It's complicated. It's multi-Earths uh, and etc. So I wonder how much they're going to go into it. It's only five parts. So Crisis on Infinite Earth uh, on the CW starts December 8th on Supergirl, then continues into Batwoman on Monday, December 9th. That's good. You only got to wait a day for the second issue. Uh, the third day is the Tuesday, December 10th on The Flash. And then there's this winter hiatus. Lame. Uh, <laughs> and then Crisis on Infinite Earth uh, concludes on Tuesday, January 14th. So, yes, there's. So that's a, that's a bummer. You got to wait a little while. Um, on Tuesday, the 14th will be on Arrow and DC's Legends of Tomorrow. So 
five-part crossover on CW, Crisis on Infinite Earths. I can't wait. I'm a fan of all the CW shows. The one I'm enjoying the most right now is Batwoman, I would say, because uh, it's fresh, it's new, and it... Uh, it's I guess season one is over. I haven't finished the last couple of episodes, but very soon on a Sunspots Comics podcast, I'll be talking about that. So uh, very very soon. So Crisis on Infinite Earth CW. Uh, I love the crossovers. I sometimes go back onto all the tying shows and watch sort of the last episode leading to these crossovers because they're so much fun. So uh, one show I haven't watched is Arrow. So I even tune in before the crossovers and kind of watch the last episode of the of the current season of Arrow to just sort of be all tied in and not everything seems so you know unfamiliar so very cool I'm super excited about Crisis on Infinite Earths on the CW the five-part crossover starting very soon some Sunday December 8th on Supergirl so very very cool and the last thing floating around inside of my nerdy brain is that I'm actually creating my very own comic book and it's called Zombie Destroyers I created Zombie Destroyers. I'm doing the writing, the layouts, and the lettering, even maybe the art moving forward. Uh, issue number one of Zombie Destroyers, uh, the inks and the pencils and the bonus page are done. So now I'm actually working on the lettering and coloring, learning it myself and figuring it out. And I'm also looking for an artist to do some pencils and some inks on Zombie Destroyers. So if you're interested in breaking into the comic book business with me, just send me an email to chris at sunspotscomics.com. Send me a sample of your sequential comic book art and maybe even your asking page rate. Just kind of put that in there. And to get a glimpse of what my comic book Zombie Destroyers looks like, please just head over to the newly redesigned, by the way, sunspotscomics.com. Check it out. Click on Zombie Destroyers and you'll see a bunch of of sample pages. So Zombie Destroyers coming soon from yours truly here at Sunspots Comics. So next is a quick mention of the interview segment called Spotlighting. Spotlighting is where I proudly share conversations I've had with comic book creators. I've been super duper lucky to have some great comic book creators on this very show like Daniel Warren Johnson of Murder Falcon, Troy Nixie of Trout, Marcus Anasso of Voracious, Zach Kaplan of Eclipse, just to name a few off the top of my head, there's so many more. Check them out on the Sunspots Comics podcast feed right now on everywhere that you find your your available podcasts and all the pod catchers. Also, if you already work in the comic book business or you're trying to break into the comic book business like myself, let's have a fun chat about the comic book you're currently working on right here on a future Sunspots Comics podcast. Just send me an email, preferably with a review copy of your comic book to chris at sunspotscomics.com or message me at sunspotscomics so we can have you as a guest on a future issue of the Sunspots Comics podcast. So now, on to the super-powered main event the Sunspots Comics Podcast, which is my comic book recommendations. Yes, my favorite part of it. Here we go. I get to share with you my favorite picks of the new comic books that just came out on New Comic Book Day, November 27th. And here is your super duper light semi-spoiler-ish alert. I seriously just want to inspire you to go and buy and read these comic books and fully enjoy them so I really don't spoil them all that much. I also never discuss the last few pages or the awesome cliffhanger and I only discuss some of the interesting points that is in each comic book. So, But just in case, if you're spoiler sensitive, here's your super duper light semi-spoiler-ish alert. And before I get into the top comics, let me announce this week's artist winner and cover artist winner of the week. My pick for cover artist winner of the week is Dustin Wynn. 
for his amazing, beautiful, gorgeous cover on Ascender, issue number seven from Image Comics. Give him a follow. He's a great guy. I've met him a few times. He's done a few sketches for me. Dustin Wynn, fantastic professional. So fast, by the way. And he loves kind of going in that that watercolory style. Follow him at Dust, D-U-S-S-005. And man, take a look at this cover. It's very simplistic in design. It's definitely an homage to Jaws, The a lot of all the marketing uh, and posters from Jaws. It's a person falling into the water, breaking the surface. So there's just this lovely light blue watercoloring look, and the surface is broken with this person falling through the water and all the bubbles and white sort of surrounding that person. And down deep below at the bottom sort of of the ocean is this insane looking monster that's got to be a hundred times larger than a great white shark and just its eye is peering up at this figure that's dropped into the water you can also see just a tinge of kind of reddish hair on this figure but most of it is just being surrounded by and sort of living in this this lovely light blue and white watercoloring cover that just really stands out it's beautiful and then you get these the contrasting dark of this whale-like creature and this giant darkish just kind of black and light blue eye that's staring up at the figure that's fallen into the water so it has this just lovely simplistic design design i love the symmetry of it i love the homage to jaws you got to go and look at it it's dustin Wynn, ascender issue number seven go look at this beautiful cover from image comics and again give him a follow at d-u-s-s-005 thank you dustin beautiful beautiful cover of ascender and the artist winner of the week goes to leo max Yes, that's his, that's his name, Leo Max, all one word, like Cher or Sting or Bono. Uh, he's, <laughs> he's just got a name, Leo Max. I follow him on everything. Check him out, at Leo Max. But it's for his just gorgeous, insanely detailed art on Basketful of Heads, issue number two. This is from DC Comics. This is under the black label, and it's also under the imprint of Joe Hill and his Hill House. And uh, man, stunning cover as well with this woman uh, in short denim shorts walking across the beach with a bloody axe in her hand as the beach sort of just laps upon her legs and rinses some of the blood away. So also a very stunning cover, very grotesque, very bloody cover. But you have to look at this interior art for Basketful of Heads, issue number two. Again, Leo Max is the, uh, that's uh, that's Leo, L-E-O-M-A-C-S, that you can follow uh, him on everything also at Leo Max. But... The stunning opening sequence of this uh, comic, Basketful of Heads, issue number two, caught me right from the beginning. It's very kind of, uh, it reminds me a little of The Shining, which uh, is the Joe Hill, the writer of this comic, his father, yes, Stephen King. Uh, Joe Hill is the son of Stephen King. And it's just this woman's face uh, peering through a slightly open slit of a doorway and the close-up of her eye and her face in terror and these beads of sweat that have formed upon her cheek. It's... It's frightening and haunting. So detailed is this single eye staring into your very soul. And it's colored in this light blue fashion. I love it. Even the attention to detail, there's little freckles on her face. Just wonderful. And the eye has this sort of orangey dot on the top corner, kind of where the reference of light is coming and referencing what she's looking at, which just goes right into the sort of next slit style of this single splash page, which has three single slits of this... uh, this escaped convict in his orange jumpsuit that is coming for her with a with a tire iron 
Yeah, and it's just, it's haunting, it's uh, beautiful, and I love that it's just light blue and orange. Gorgeously done. Amazing attention to detail here. Very, very realistic style of art here. Not very cartoony. Uh, just the way the physics are, very professional. The attention to the anatomy is perfect. I was stunned by Leo Max art. I, I, I haven't read, I don't think, seen any of Leo Max uh, art before, but I'm a fan now, and I definitely recommend you give him a follow. And the second page of this is, again, the, uh, the, the yellow jumpsuit of our escaped convict just going through, entering a bathroom. And it's just so much detail in this bathroom and the way that the shadows are, again, with that light blue just playing up, up, you know, upon this, the light in this room. It's gorgeous. And great sort of camera angle that we see here and how the panel just quickly slices into the, the shower rod being spread open and ripped by our, our escaped convict and just these sort of dead white eyes on his face. And I, it's, it's, it is such masterclass art here. I don't know where you've been all my uh, life here, Leo Max, but I'm a hardcore fan now. I love it. <clears throat> so definitely check it out. That's, that's just some of it. There's this, <clears throat> the single page splash midway in, or maybe it's a double page. No, it's a single page splash of our, our character swinging an ax and cutting someone's head off. And it's this explosion of red, not necessarily blood, but it's like the sun setting behind her. And the the blood is done in this sort of orangey white foam. So again, colors that don't really belong in a scene like this with this gorgeous red sunset and the blood being por portrayed in a orangey white foam as we see this face and head flying, lopping about in, after she's just cut him, you know, sliced his head off with this axe, with this magical axe. And it's just gorgeous. The sand in this is even light blue. It's again still playing upon uh, the, that sort of twilight hour here. It's gorgeously, gorgeously done. And his uh, his art style is just, is it's something to just sit back, look at, and admire. Leo Max, fantastic art. So, basket full of heads. There's a bunch of moments like this. And again, I love that light blue and orange that it lives in. Check out Basket Full of Heads. And uh, issue number two with art by Leo Max, our artist winner of the week. Follow him again at L-E-O-M-A-C-S. Beautiful, absolutely stunning, very inspiring art. Thank you, Leo Max. And the breakdown. I actually read a pull list of only 13 comics this week. So a small week of comics for new comic book day, November 27th. And of the 13 new comics, only four of them made it to the Great Ones recommendation list that I'm about to recommend to you. That's right. It's got to be great to make the Sunspots Comics top pick list, or I don't recommend to you. It's got to be they got to be great. And new number ones, I actually read three new number ones out of the 13 this week, and two of them actually made it to this top pick list that I'm about to mention to you. So that's solid. Three new number ones and two of them I'm about to recommend to you. So, so I'm about to break down the list here. I strongly recommend you go and buy these four comic books at your local comic book shop today so really they're worth your time they'll bring you such joy they are really just a, a absolute perfect example of how wonderful comics can be and the joy they can bring to your life so check these four out so here we go coming in at number four is brand new issue number one it's Philadelphia, issue number one from image comics and it's written by rodney barnes who rodney barnes comes from the movie and television area so he's done some stuff like that uh, with one of my favorite artists Jason Sean Alexander 
he is a, a, a painter by trade and does a lot of sort of speckly art. He's done a few sketches for me. He did this zombie sketch where he literally poured white paint on a, on a copper toothbrush and spread his finger ac across it to just splash on a black page. That's the kind of serious painter that Jason Sean Alexander is. You've got to look at his art, but this is uh, Philadelphia issue number one, Sins of the Father, part one. Gorgeous, stunning cover of this man standing there in a in his uh, sort of business attire with a shovel in his hand and a gun in the other and just these demonous eyes that are just slightly lit all behind him. So, <clears throat> boy, sets a crazy tone here. Sins of the Father, sort of monstrous little mo vampire -y eyes behind this man and a fantastically detailed face and shadowy looking grit here uh, from Jason Sean Alexander. He's a wonderful, wonderful artist. So definitely check this out. And it sets this crazy tone when you have like an autopsy report being page number one, showing the manner of death and the dispos disposition of the case and the autopsy information with this like this very sort of formulaic form that I guess people that perform autopsies have to fill out showing kind of where these uh, where the impacts were on the body of these diagrams. So it just sets this kind of chilling tone right from the get go. And then we get to see some beautiful art on a white background here with uh, a, a gentleman, young man, typing on a computer. And it's just this wonderful angle that leads from left to right. And behind the character that's sitting there with the white stark background is this little bit of splashy paint behind him, like of a just kind of an olive green. That uh, it's just kind of, I don't know, like the shadow is just covering him like a warm blanket. It's beautiful as he's just doing a very mundane thing, typing on a computer. But I love the zoom-ins as well, when they show what what is actually happening here, what he's typing. And so it, it sets the tone that he's writing this letter uh, to someone about his father passing away. I don't want to give away everything, but... So he's obviously in turmoil, he's thinking back upon, upon his father. It looks like this is the sort of wake at someone's house, and he's thinking of his father's face. And his father is, is popping up in panels with these piercing eyes that just... Uh, that just just capture this this feeling of eeriness and and sadness because he's mentioning that his father just passed away so um, and his father was a d detective and, <clears throat> and he kind of talks about what his father was doing last before he died and it, it flashes back to the last cases his, his father was working on and he has that that typical detective wall filled with tons of pictures and string connecting the the pictures together trying to get an understanding of where these uh, this criminal is coming from where his prey uh, is and their motivation and what they're doing and what, what they could possibly do next so we could prevent this so it's like it's you know very uh very kind of that typical detective kind of scene and his lieutenant is there kind of questioning him like hey maybe you should give up on this and he's like no are we gonna tell the family of this murderer that we're just giving up no i'm i i he's like i speak for the dead and i'm i'm going to keep working on this so it just shows his the father's dedication and he references back to how, you know, the son feels like his father was just married to his work and his real children were his work. And, of course, it's that, you know, that that detective kind of lifestyle that is here that he has an estranged relationship with his uh, maybe 20 something year old son. It is said in Philadelphia, there are references to uh, some historical moments that happen. I love that uh, Mr. Barnes, the writer, definitely did his homework 
and uh, just mentions and references things that have happened uh, even regarding yellow fever in Philadelphia so there's definitely some a very like they've done their homework he did some historical research to understand Philadelphia and set it in a real place there's definitely photo reference sort of backgrounds to Philadelphia here so it sets you in that in that frame in that in that neighborhood very easily and just tons of uh, Jason Sean Alexander uh, what he does best referencing light and having this kind of shadowy noir look and dark gritty feel to his art <clears throat> he is a realistic painter that uses that splatter effect constantly to add sort of grit and and real just sort of a contextual you know uh, texture that just feels very real and alive and vibrant so you got to look at it and uh, he, he he ventures in to go and look at his father's journal and sort of figure out what's happening to his father in that it does involve a monstrous element that happens and he even uh, his journal is like kind of I like I can relate and I enjoy the reading of his journal uh, moments because it's sort of all over the place it's only for the dad and that's the way um, that I write into my own journal and it's that no one else is going to read it but me so I can uh, you, you just sort of the mind wanders and that's definitely how the uh, the moment of the the son reading his father's journal is when he reads these pages but he pieces together a moment where he met his mother and another moment to where he was very close to uh, uh to getting to the heart of this case and falls upon vampires yes vampires they're in this so i dig it i want more of this um it, it is dark it is horrifying it's a bit grim but uh, i love the setting here i love that it's very interesting how, is he trying to find how these vampires are starting or are they vampires per se i mean they're leaning into what that looks like with the red eyes and the sharp teeth but maybe it's something else they're referencing yellow fever here and how uh the second president john adams could be somehow responsible for bringing the yellow fever to philadelphia so there's definitely this kind of like this historical nod here that i want to i definitely want to see them flush out so philadelphia great first issue uh, if you any of those those things hit you dark noir uh, murder mayhem vampires uh, father son issues um, detective and forensic and autopsy type in world in Philadelphia of modern day this you're gonna love this Philadelphia issue number one I highly recommend it definitely definitely check it out and uh, there we go now we're into the the top three comic book recommendations of the week uh, coming in at number three from Marvel Comics is Deadpool 2020, issue number one. Although I don't see, it's sort of called that in uh, in Diamond 2020, but I just see it as Deadpool number one in from you know in parentheses 2019. So anyway, uh, I thought, hey, I haven't read Deadpool in a while. I'll give this a shot. This is uh, written by Kelly Thompson and art by Chris Bacciolo. Bacciolo, his art's phenomenal. He's extremely detailed. He uh, is, uh, his art's a bit manic. It's sort of all over the place. He fills every quadrant with uh, details, sometimes zooming way in or zooming way out. And you have to kind of look twice at his art. He just has this great fluid look to everything. Everything has a, a kind of a rounded, kind of circular edge to everything. It's perfectly styled for comic books. I love that uh, in the opening sequence here, Deadpool is just being ripped in half. And right in, he's ripped in half by this monster, this green monster. And in between the giant hands of this monster where he's ripping Deadpool in half across the torso 
is uh, these bubbly like uh, gelatinous droplets of blood and the, and the words rip right through the center of it. It's just so perfectly symmetrical. It so perfectly sets the tone to a Deadpool comic. And I love that uh, Kelly Thompson has definitely captured the voice of Deadpool and the Deadpool films. And this the, the sense of humor and the timing is so perfectly done. And when he's ripped in half and Deadpool's lying on the ground, his top half uh, says, I so hate being right. <laughs> so it's just, it's perfect. The timing is just right. Kelly, you've captured Deadpool. And uh, already from there, the opening sequence, I was hooked. He starts having this conversation with uh, another monster that looks kind of like a cross between an ostrich and, uh, I don't know, um, uh, like a platypusy <laughs> creature um, like a dodo bird is another one that comes to mind so it's definitely this weird monster wearing a suit <laughs> by the way nice three-piece suit and tie whereas uh, he's he's just kind of like looking to possibly assist Deadpool at least kind of giving him the layout of the rules here that if you happen to kill this monster who is the king of all monsters then you will become the king of all monsters <laughs> so he's like well thanks um, but I'm kind of busy Maybe if you could at least just put me together with my torso, then I can uh, heal together rather than trying to grow new limbs because that takes a whole lot longer. So great humor, great timing. <clears throat> and uh, Deadpool definitely has issues with this uh, feathered-like uh, creature uh, that is um, wearing a, a three-piece suit and, and glasses. That's the sort of monster advisor. Yeah, what is happening there? And we flash back. I love the little flashback style. It's more black and white with just tinges of red splashed here and there of uh, Deadpool uh, <laughs> sitting around being offered the job of killing the uh, king of all monsters and how that the, the exchange there is just hilarious. And he's wearing a Santa suit for some reason. <laughs> so he kind of explains it but doesn't. <clears throat> so I just love that uh, you, you still have that tinge of Deadpool has a heart. And that they, it's Staten Island that that this the the King of the Monsters are going is going to be at, and a lot of people can be killed. So yes, he's a mercenary, but at the same time, he doesn't want people to die. So there's that tinge of heart. I think that's where Kelly Thompson is uh, just shining as a writer because she just knows that yes, he's a merc with a mouth, but he also has that tinge of heart. So that's there too. Also, there's just randomly zombies kind of walking around here, and they also all of a sudden put him in snow. So there's just a lot of sort of different. Um, weather-like features that's happening. There's like it, it. It's just there's not. They're not explaining it. It's just. I think it's just Chris Bocciolo making Deadpool uh, scenes look uh, different from each other. Because as you flip through this, it's like wow. This just changes in sort of the background colors and the foreground and the weather. And so it's just a very different-looking comic book uh, almost on every single page. So I love that Chris Bocciolo was definitely almost the artist. Uh, winner of the week here, definite contender, but he's done fantastic work. Just look Chris Bocciolo up. Just anything he's done regarding in, on the X Men period, in Marvel period, when he does Spider Man every so often, he just it, it, you you have to look at it. His art's very dense. There's just a lot of detail. There's a lot of like I said, these zoom up moments. But maybe my favorite looking sequence is when they go back to him killing the King of All Monsters, and because it's this like octopus creature with all these tendrils. And like almost like dreadlock looking hair on top and multiple teeth and eyes just going in all directions. It reminds me of the uh, monster at the beginning of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2, sort of, but green. So 
Uh, right in the center of it is just this, this fantastic fight. But there's just tendrils in all directions. You don't know which way is up or down. That's kind of Chris Bocciolo's thing. And Deadpool's kind of mixed in there, just hanging on for dear life, trying to find a way to kill uh, the mon the king of all monsters. So I definitely am in. I definitely want to read more of this. I want to figure out what's happening. Does Deadpool kill the king of all monsters? Well, you know, he's sitting in a throne on the cover, wearing a crown. <laughs> so, uh, you know. But, yeah, I'm putting this, this... He just kind of has like a red blanket at his feet. But um, it's wonderful. It's Chris Bocciolo on Deadpool. I love the team. I love that uh, it introduces a Spider-Man villain here. I don't want to ruin who it is, um, but I'm all in to see where this goes. And it's such great humor. I had I had at least five or six just laugh out loud moments. So hats off to Kelly Thompson for writing Deadpool, issue number one, with again Chris Bocciolo on art. You got to see it. Fantastic team, A plus team. So now coming in at number two is Basketful of Heads. Yes, our artist winner of the week. And it's issue number two, Basketful of Heads. Issue number two, this is from DC Comics, the Black Label. And this is the Joe Hill imprint, the Hill House imprint. This is written by Joe Hill, and this is our artist winner of the week, Leo Max. And to give you a quick gist of Basketful of Heads, it's like set in the late 70s, I want to say early 80s. And there was this uh, young woman and young man. He's kind of a uh, an, a policeman's intern, and he's <clears throat> just at the end of summer. I love the setting in issue number one. It was really just kind of setting the end of summer. It was setting the kind of sunset. It was they were crossing a bridge and they're having like a kind of a loving exchange. And it's just this this young vibrant moment of you know of a young man uh, deciding what he wants to do with his future and a woman that's a young woman that's talking about college and what she wants to do and like because she wants to be a social worker he wants to be a policeman so it's just like this wonderful couple having this kind of loving flirty moment on a on a bridge with like the sun going down and it's just it's just gorgeous that's the gist of issue number one sort of but it ultimately is uh, these escaped convicts have escaped from Shawshank Prison, which that says it on their bright orange jumpsuit suits here. Any relation to the movie Shawshank uh, Redemption? I don't know. But they're <laughs> they've escaped from prison. The local police has to sort of step in and figure it out. And, and the policeman is initially s sort of saying that there's nothing to worry about. These these four convicts are just going to probably make a run for it. And kind of just try to hide out or, or found in a bar a few months later but uh, no one of them is like a serial killer and so uh, our young uh, policeman protege is really just called to kind of house sit uh, the family and there's uh, no one there at the time but the convicts decide to go to this very house so it's it's just this uh, scene of the young uh, girlfriend running from these convicts that's the kind of opening sequence it's tense it's intense, like I said, it has this kind of shining-like feel. There's a lot of uh, play with the light here, and everything has a light blue tinge or kind of an orange tinge. And so it's got a great color palette with some great zoom-in sequences from Leo Max showing the look of terror on the eyes of this young woman that is trying to flee from this uh, escaped convict in a yellow jumpsuit. And she just comes across this insane-looking axe, this magical axe that sort of lights up when she doesn't look at it it's gorgeous such great design on this axe too it's it, it very lord of the rings style of axe but this is set in like uh, the 70s and like uh and like maine i think is where it is 
and so I love this sort of island town that's set up here. It's very much like the town in Jaws. It has that very much feel to it. It's just this tiny little beach town. And uh, yeah, and it's um, also there's a storm that comes in. I love this sequence of panels that's very kind of kind of Watchmen-esque where there's five panels that just repeat themselves, but they show the tide rolling in, like engulfing a lot of this small uh, ocean town uh, called Brody Island. So uh, yeah, even the signs that lead to Brody Island that uh, just have the ocean separating this this on both sides of the small road looks very much like an homage to Jaws. Uh, strange that even the uh, the cover winner of the week this week has an homage to Jaws on Ascender issue number seven. But <clears throat> I love this. I am totally enjoying it. It's just action packed. It doesn't stop. The tension just is there, and it comes to an actual fight of this young woman wielding this strange axe uh, versus these escaped convicts. Yes, and. Well, how is this magic, uh, this axe magic? Well, how is it imbued? I we, we don't know yet. It's still mysterious at one point. Favorite sort of page is this splash page of where she does cut a head off of an escaped convict. And there's an explosion of just kind of like an orange foam. Like just tang. <laughs> or orange Julius everywhere instead of blood. It's just like this explosion of orange foam. I love it. And just the look on her face of, of just... You know, of her dedication and her, you know, putting every sort of muscle, every bit of muscle into swinging this huge axe. You can see the the musculature being affected by the weight of this axe and her face, uh, you know, having to sort of struggle to move this axe. And it's just, it's beautiful, beautiful art by Leo Max. So, yeah, what's going to happen here? Why does the uh, axe have a magic ability? Um, there's definitely a, a an otherworldly effect, this sort of magical effect uh, that uh, beyond the axe. That there's a moment here that happens with uh, this head that's lopped off. So I, I definitely want to see where this goes. But you immediately because they spent so much time on issue one, setting up this kind of cute, adorable couple, maybe having just a summer fling. You care. You're invested. You don't want to see them killed by these murderers. And why is the boyfriend not, uh, the policeman's protege not here helping her? You'll see. I don't want to blow that part. But, uh, yeah, I'm all in. Basket full of heads. Man, it's just, it just this will keep you on the edge of your seats. And, again, it's the Artist Winner of the Week with Leo Max. And, again, it's written by Joe Hill, who's one of my favorite writers of all time. He did Lock and Key for tons of years. And, yes, he is uh, Stephen King's son, Joe Hill. So definitely check it out. Basket full of heads. Fantastic. Fantastic horrifying edge-of-your-seat thriller. But here we go now. On to the number one top comic book pick of the week. And the winner is Ascender, issue number seven from Image Comics. Yes, this is our cover art winner of the week. This is written by Jeff Lemire, and this is our cover artist winner, Dustin Wynn. And beautiful, like I said, gorgeous, gorgeous cover, homage to Jaws, giant body of blue water that's just watercolor painted by Dustin Wynn as this 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 human falls through and breaks the ocean surface with this giant whale-like creature set in this fantasy world so it's definitely not just your standard whale it has like these interesting looking sort of plates almost looks metal like a robotic whale in the ocean <clears throat> but uh, that's this gorgeous cover by Dustin Wynn and he is, is, this Ascender has been a Sunspots Comics uh, podcast top winner of the week. Ascender has been an art winner of the week. And Ascender has been an, a cover artist winner of the week more than once. And we're only on issue number seven. 
Uh, he won a lot of Sunspots Comics podcast awards for the Descender series, which is prior to this, to the Ascender series. So you definitely want to read them both. I want to say Descender was a 25-issue run and then leads right into this. This is kind of like like 30 years later after the Descender series. And they've taken now uh, science fiction and magic and blended them together in this world. And a quick gist... You've got a man with his eight-year-old daughter that are try- that recently had a, a robot that was jettisoned to them where they live. A small, pet-like, dog-like robot that was a companion to a character in the Descender series that has come to them that may link to the reason why the apocalypse hit, why these giant kaiju robots wiped out a lot of the galaxy. There are other planets involved here, but now they mix in. Uh, the, the 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 fantastical and I just love this opening sequence of Ascender that goes a little more right into right what happens from page one of uh, someone being thrown into the ocean so it's real estate that is used to move the story along I love when comics do that they maximize the space and this cover leads right into the opening sequence involving this character Telsa that falls into the ocean and there are these like mermen these alligator men that are working with this giant uh, whale-like creature to just attack them on this boat so it's just heart pounding it's exciting it's just this this moment of, of telsa trying to stay alive and then she's swallowed by this giant uh whale and i just love that that she's in there kind of trying to, to to keep hope and stay alive and they go into a flashback of when into basically into a moment in the Descender series where she uh, where she loses her father, so she's kind of losing hope here, and I, I I love that she's struggling to find hope, but yet she's in the belly of a whale. She's yes, she's Pinocchioing it up here, <laughs> and she realizes that she has her her cyanide pill that will in, in case she's ever taken prisoner. Or uh, and she's going to be tortured or die in some gruesome way just to sort of end herself. So she even considers taking that pill um, when uh, just at that crucial moment she is... Uh, this is early in the comics. So it's not really spoiling a lot of stuff where she is saved by a character that is very close to her. It's her, it's her right-hand woman. It's the, uh, it's the first mate of her ship. She's kind of this... Uh, she is kind of the captain of this uh, space-age fantasy-looking ship and <clears throat> i love that this this mother character that's the kind of uh voldemort of the series <laughs> is uh is trying to stop this uh the man and young daughter and the the father and daughter have been separated Th- that's much at, at this story of ascender the core of it which is the father daughter relationship here so uh I, it's right now they're separated we believe the father to be dead and i hope not but there is this Oh, I got it. There's a single page splash around page 16 that is, again, it's watercolored, um, you know, watercolor painted by Dustin Wynn. And it's this loving embrace between Telsa and her her right-hand woman. And it's gorgeous. The background is all watercolored in red. The ocean is just this violet blue and green, uh, almost cloud-like with reflections of the cloud uh, above the ocean. It is a thing of beauty. You've got to look at it. It's just the, worth the price of admission right there for getting Ascender issue number seven to see this lovely 
embrace uh, Splash Page. It's just gorgeous. With Telsa, she has this very stark, bright red hair. And um, the character of uh, her right-hand woman reminds me of uh, of Gina Carano in The Mandalorian. She's, she's muscular like that, and she's she's just a very strong, imposing figure. And it's just a beautiful moment. It's absolutely beautiful. And, and it goes right into more action there, and they're running for their lives. These more creatures are, are after them, and it's just, uh, before you know it, it was over. I, I just, I read this so very quickly. It was action-packed. It was a non-stop page-turner, and I love the conversation with Telsa and the young daughter. Telsa's not familiar with kids and, and really having them around, and it's, it's, it's this young little girl actually kind of teaching Telsa how it is with kids and, like, what to expect, and it's very mature for a young, like, seven-year-old girl, but... I loved that quiet little moment and those the talk and they're on a boat so it's just like it just has this very kind of uh, this very you know this epic sort of um, you know ocean adventure kind of feel to it set in this fantastical realm and uh, I love this and you don't really have to have read the Descender series uh, to know what's going on here in Descender but I would read the previous issues of Ascender all six of them so that you kind of have an understanding of what exactly is happening. But it's been an amazing pace, a much better pace than Descender. It's faster. Uh, the, it's just, it's just the action is sort of nonstop, and you care for this this man and his young daughter. So you you definitely are invested into them, and you just want to see uh, them come back together. But right now they're separated. So will these mer creatures, uh, you know, attack them? Will they make it past these mer creatures and this giant whale? Um, that's that's working with the mer creatures. Not sure, but um, I just love every moment of it. Ascender, so much fun. I look forward to it every month. Like I said, it's been a top Sunspots Comics pick of the week and art winner and cover art winner. It's Ascender. Jeff Lemire, one of the best writers of all time. He's done so many things. Look him up, Jeff Lemire. Uh, he's, he's just. 20 years or so he's been doing top-notch work so easily the top pick of the week and again it's our cover art winner it's ascender issue number seven so there you have it those are the new comic book recommendations this week for new comic book day november 27th let me lock the vault door please 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 go to a local comic book shop find them help them out and buy these four comic books immediately they're so stellar they're top-notch if you have questions, comments, or you want your own personal comic book recommendation, my email is chris at sunspotscomics.com. Our website is sunspotscomics.com. And, of course, on all the social media, at sunspotscomics. And also, thank you to our sponsor, Pop-Up Tea. Check out their gigantic selection of nerdy fun t-shirts at popuptea.com. They seriously have a nerdy shirt for every little thing you can think of. Use the promotional code SUNSPOTSCOMICS and you'll get 25% off of any shirt order, even the clearance shirts. So go check out and thank you to popuptea.com. And please tune in next week for issue number 216 of the Sunspots Comics podcast. I will be reading 15 brand new comic books next week on my pull list. And that's for a new comic book day, uh, December 4th. And five of them are new number ones that I'm definitely excited to read. Here's just a few that I'm seriously looking forward to reading next week for new comic book day, December 4th. Um, one right at the top of the bat is Collapser, issue number six of six, the end of Collapser. It's a superhero story uh, from DC Comics about a man that uh, has the power of a black hole uh, inside of him. And it's a lot, the black hole is a kind of a living entity instead of this strange uh, space anomaly type thing. 
Uh, Crone issue number two. It's the old woman that uh, is going after uh, the uh, her 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 basically her her you know her her main enemy that uh, she's believed to be dead, and it's it's this like if Aunt May had this amazing fighting ability and went on a quest to hunt down her old nemesis. So Crone issue number two coming out next week. I can't wait. Uh, Midnight Vista is issue number four from Aftershock Comics. That's a great one. It's a UFO abduction story, and the UFOs have come back to claim the, the two people that they abducted. And so it's a very action-packed, very fast-paced kind of UFO abduction story. Can't wait. And Star Wars Saga, issue number one. So Star Wars is relaunching. They went through 75 issues. They're starting over with a new creative team. So I'm very excited to see that, see the art. I kind of hope they don't go so photo referency with all of the, uh, the the Star Wars Saga characters and just sort of do their own thing. So lots of great stuff. Veronica, Vampironica, New Blood, issue number one from the Archie Horror uh, line of comics is coming out next week. So that's just a little, little, just a little splash of some of the things I'm super excited about that's coming out new comic book day, December 4th. So please spread the word. Tell someone about the Sunspots Comics podcast. Please give us a five-star review with a few positive words on the iTunes. It really helps us. But if you really want to take uh, your help to the next level and want to help Sunspots Comics, just donate to us. Go over to sunspotscomics.com support. And if seriously, any amount is appreciated. You know, a few nickels, dimes, whatever, I don't care. It just helps keep the lights on. So that's sunspotscomics.com support. So that'll do it. Thank you so much for listening. I hope that you captured... Some of the love, some of the just the joy that brings, uh, that comes to me when I read comic books. And these are top-notch, so I definitely recommend buying those four recommendations. But I'll leave you, of course, with the immortal words of Stan Lee. Hang loose, heroes! And, of course, to be continued! See you next week! Bye-bye!